You're listening to Family Feud, part of the Paris Style Podcast family. They might not be brother and sister, but they sure do fight like they are. Here's your hosts, Keely Yor and Shotgun Spratling. Welcome to the Family Feud Podcast. I'm sitting alongside Shotgun Spratling. This is the fourth time I'm doing it, and I got it right. Got your name right. Shotgun, how's it, how's it going? I'm good. <laughs> USC fans should be good. I know. This Guess is why? a championship. They won a championship. Did I do it right? Pac-12, first Pac-12 championship since 2008. Congratulations to the Trojans and to Clay Helton for getting that title. When a lot of people uh, were very down on him just a couple weeks ago. Very true. USC is now 11-2, and like we all predicted, right? I'm... Of course. Of course. I think a lot of people actually might have predicted 11-2 uh, going into the season. Uh, that is not a record that seems ridiculous either way. Uh, but now they got a big Cotton Bowl matchup. Uh, not the Fiesta Bowls we all expected, but yeah. they're going to, go into the Cotton Bowl because Ohio State had been at the Fiesta Bowl for two of the last three years, I believe. So USC fans are going to travel a little bit farther, day earlier, going to have to travel on a Friday. But it should be a really good matchup against an Ohio State team. We'll talk about that future Family Feud podcast. Yeah, Let's talk yeah. about the win. I mean, we got a couple weeks before this game. Let's talk about... Some USC Trojans that uh, showed out. Yeah, because if you're a USC fan, you should still be soaking in this win. I mean, 2008 is a long time before the last the last championship, so you got You got to soak it in. Yeah, you should still have a uh, a pile of confetti laying around the house. Just throw <laughs> it up a couple times every day. Just yeah. yes, we won. Tim if you're Tim. a USC fan, yes, that is true. Um, overall thoughts before we get into stock up, stock down of the game. A uh, game that could have been much different for both sides. Agreed. I mean, Stanford fumbles the ball six times. USC, quote-unquote, recovers two of them. Neither one of those count. One of them is, an, it is ruled an incomplete pass. The, is, the ruling is overturned after review. One of them, it was ruled his uh, forward progress was stopped, and you can't, I don't think you can review that. And so they missed out on those two. Four other opportunities, though, including one that goes right through Uchina Nwosu's hands, and they couldn't recover any of them, or else it would have been a much different game, I think. Instead, uh, USC gives up a touchdown right before halftime, and that is the impetus for Stanford to be in the game. And, you know, they made it close, and USC made the big plays when it happened. They didn't get the breaks in this game, yeah. but they made the big plays happen. Like, every bounce seemed to kind of go against them, but when they needed to make a play, they did. Yeah, I felt almost like it was just a microcosm of everything we've seen this season. Um, a, a wonky third quarter, mental mistakes, but also clutch offensive performance in the fourth quarter. Um, never counting themselves out, um, but also keeping their opponent still within reach. It was definitely everything we kind of seen from USC, but we did, Darnold did not uh, have a interception or a turnover, so that's something that we did see earlier, we don't see now, but uh, I thought it was... It was and a, it could have been crucial if he yeah. had a, an interception, maybe uh, you know one of those drives when they were driving the ball. Instead, USC you know took care of the ball outside of a, a Stephen Carr turnover, and even on that one, I think they turned around and got a stop immediately which kind of you know uh, changed the tide of, of things in that game because that could have been that could have been the game right there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you had, Stanford had opportunities to take advantage, you know, to to take control of the game. They get the ball inside the ten yard line, six plays, and do not score. And that for a team that is supposed to be all about physicality, uh, that tells you something about that USC defensive front stepping up. Yeah, for sure. Well, speaking of which, let's get into stock up, shall we? Stock up. Obviously, I think we both got this guy, Michael Pittman Jr. What a, oh what a performance. Oh, my goodness. Uh, the guy was snubbed, actually, because he should have been 
your uh, your Pac-12 championship MVP, in my opinion. He set the record for receiving yards in the Pac-12 championship. Seven targets, seven receptions, including huge plays out of it when USC was backed up. I mean, first uh, there was there was one earlier in the game. You know, gets them out uh, of their end zone, uh, out of the, like the four or five yard line, and then obviously the nine nine yard drive starts with a you know a big fifty four yard I believe play to him, and then immediately after that another first down yep. catch by him. Uh, I thought he had a huge game. The first touchdown of the game, very nice play design on that one as well. Uh, USC, you know, faked everything, looking like it was run, and then he kind of faked blocking and popped over Whoop. wide open. Yeah, uh, very nice play design there. But Michael Pittman w- was tremendous in that game. That's yeah, my first one. And to have the mental mental fortitude, the, that's a big game. You're in national stage, and he just he played like that. That was his role the whole season, which he, obviously was not. <laughs> you know, the injury and then him kind of working his way into that starting lineup, he really played like he was starting from the beginning of the season. He which, played like he had NFL genetics almost. Almost. Hmm, I wonder. But but it really it convinced me that a lot of this season was shaped by the wide receivers and players that were played over some people, how big that Michael Pittman injury was. I mean, T. Martin talked about it, how big that was for the season. And it really showed because look at what an asset Michael Pittman is and how how much he stepped up in this game. And how much he would have given another weapon. I mean, Stephen Mitchell looked like he was kind of entrenched as a starter. The other starting position was kind of open, uh, and Michael Pittman gets hurt. Tyler Vaughn <clears> eventually <throat> takes over that spot for over Jalen Green. But, you know, if Pittman was healthy from the get-go, maybe things are a little bit different. Maybe, maybe. Um, I had Chris Hawkins, the captain, um, people people talk about the Yichin Nuosu fourth and one stop. He also had a stop on the the play previous, the third and two. That was a big play. But the min, the mental toughness to just come into that game the way he did, um, emotionally, how much he had in his head and his heart. I mean, his grandma, who he said has watched every football game that he's ever played, passed away that Less morning. Than 24 hours. That morning. Um, and so... I mean, if you saw the USC Twitter account tweeted out, uh, Clay Helton gave him the game ball. It was such an emotional video because he really put his heart on the sleeve and played like a like a redshirt senior captain. I mean, to be able to do that and to be able to have that mental fortitude to do that. I mean, if you saw him playing, you wouldn't know that that happened. Yeah, um, and a career high thirteen tackles. Yep. Uh, you saw, you know, before the game, he kind of took a moment. At, you know, after the onside kick, when when Stanford he's on the field for the onside kick, when Stanford doesn't get it. He kind of looks up in the sky and kind of has his palms up, and it was kind of, I think, a moment of relief, but also kind of looking up in the, in the heavens there for a minute. Um, you know, just a second, and you know there's a lot of emotion in this game uh, from a lot of players. We'll get to that a little bit more, but who else you got on stock up? That was my stock up. It's your turn. <laughs> just, just, I, I was going to let you go again. Oh, be my, nice. thank you. So generous. Um, After I won had... a championship, I mean, be nice. Did, a did you win it? <laughs> I had Jordan Austin. Well, I was a part of the celebration, so I'm getting the good vibes. I got you. I got you. I had Jordan Austin. He did have some false starts, but I think to be inserted into the game uh, in Dvorhees, I believe, had a concussion. We never got the official word. Um, I'm fairly certain he yes, had a concussion. Yes, he he actually played throughout the end of a drive uh, after taking a – you could hear it on the telecast. Uh, he was away from the ball. He goes to block someone, and it was helmet-to-helmet block. Oof. And, uh, you know, he, you could see him kind of be uh, visibly dazed. He he continued that drive, but then he did not come out come back after that. So I'm pretty sure that's what it was. Yeah. So Jordan Austin being able to step in championship game, kind of a Nico Fala situation, a little bit in the sense of he's he's getting his moment at the Pac-12 championship game. Um, but he stepped in and he did well. I don't think I really noticed noticed it 
a lot. I mean, I think in the beginning of the season when Andrew Voorhees came in, you kind of did notice a, a decline when he came in, but I didn't really notice that with Jordan Austin. Um, I think you and I noted that he's the fifth, I believe fifth or sixth, O-lineman to come in. Fifth, yes. Fifth O-lineman to come in during a game for a starter that got injured. So the the, the amount of rotation that the O-line has had has just been ridiculous season this season. And I asked Nico Fala, like, how hard is it to get that chemistry? And he said it's pretty hard, but for Jordan Austin to come in and get thrown in and do it is pretty impressive. Nico Fala, the one guy who hasn't been replaced this season, <laughs> true. Uh, has been the kind of the... Uh, the the anchor? The anchor, yeah. Not the work. <laughs> the, uh, I was going to go with some... The cornerstone? Cornerstone. I was looking for a stone reference. Mm, yeah. There you go. Stone. Yeah, well, it works. I also have Ronald Jones outperforming Bryce Love. Ooh, uh, yes. And being, you know, moving into number five overall at USC, passing OJ Simpson, that's an incredible mark in and of itself. But I thought he looked better than Bryce Love. Granted, Bryce Love's got the ankle injury and stuff. Yes. Bryce Love had the one long run. Besides that, I think he averaged less than 3.5 yards. Ronald Jones was, was turning out, you know, uh, some pretty good um, pickups, some pretty good chunk yardage, uh, consistently getting five, six, seven yards on carries. And, you know, he, he showed a little bit of everything. He showed the ability to catch the ball. He showed the ability to put a spin move, to put his foot in the ground and go vertical. I mean, I think it was a, a great NFL um, game tape for Ronald Jones there. And doing it when the other team has a Heisman contender even shows out even a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And stock up for the fact that he's going home. The Cotton Bowl, Texas, potentially, probably his last game for USC in Texas. And his family travels, so it'll be fun for them to to see him in his hometown. Oh, yeah, definitely. Him and Akasajic Ware, I remember I think Akasajic Ware said he had like 25, 30 people come in for the, the USC-Alabama game. I think there'll be even more there for, for this Cotton Bowl for those guys. Yeah, I had USC's D-line. I thought their run defense was really good. I felt like um, they kind of swarmed. There's not a lot of places to go. I thought they also shed their blocks really well. I know Brandon Peely had one where I was just like, wow, he just threw that guy. Um, So I thought the D-line, multiple sacks, multiple um, PBUs. I thought Malik Jordan played well. I thought, obviously, Jen Nwosa played well. Um, Rasheem Green. When you're you're seeing all those guys pop up in a game, that's a good thing. Yeah, I actually have Malik Dorton and Brandon Peely both on my list. Uh, Malik Dorton, you know, they used him in a different way. They chose to uh, use him as the edge rusher on the edge. So instead of Jordan Iosefa, instead of Christian Rector, filling in that role as the instead, it wasn't a true predator position, but he was playing a defensive end. He and Rasheem Green, uh, you know, rotated back and forth to kind of flip sides on occasion, opposite of Uchenna Wosu. But the fact that they trusted him enough and the fact that what he's done the last three or four games has been really impressive to me with Malik Dorton. But they put him on that edge, and they used Jordan Isafa sometimes. They used Christian Rector as a pass rusher, uh, basically taking over for Josh Fatu on, on third longs. But they, Malik Dorton was the guy they went with. They trusted him you know, against this team, and that's a big role because of some of those misdirection plays that Stanford tries to get you, you know, really keyed in on Bryce Love and then pop a, you know, end around or something. And I, I thought he did a really nice job there. And Brandon Peely, like you said, the one play in particular, he's just kind of staring down Bryce Love, staring down, waiting on Bryce Love to make a move. And as soon as he does, he just ch- just tosses the uh, offensive lineman out of the way like a child uh, and makes the tackle there. Bitten a big play right there. And that's one of those type of plays I thought we'd see a little bit more out of Brandon Peely just because he has that athleticism and that raw strength that uh, he can make some big plays. I think we're gonna only, only going to see more and more of that as, as the, his career uh, progresses. I agree. I, I'm, I'm interested to see Malik Dorton and Brandon Peely come back, see what they can do next year. I thought it was really funny. There's a gif um, before the fourth and one stop 
the. <laughs> were you gonna say that? I was gonna say that for her on the sideline. Oh, sorry, I'm gonna say it right now. But <laughs> Malik Dorton notices that Brandon Peely shouldn't be there, and he's freaking out, and he's like, "Get there, get there!" And then Brandon Peely's like, "Oh!" You can see him be like, "Oh shoot!" And like run off. And I just thought it was a great kind of portrayal of what USC's D line is this season. It's like veteran guys taking care of the like young freshman guys, and being like, "Dude, get out of here!" <laughs> I was watching. I was in the, is near the end zone. Is during the fourth uh, fourth and goal stand. Uh, and I remember seeing Malik Dort come in, and I guess he had yelled at Peely to go, to go, and he wasn't responding, and he just starts jumping up and down and going crazy. He's like, go, you gotta go. You He's gotta. like so afraid to get out of here. Yeah, go, go, go. And, uh, and Peely, you know, he just kind of, like, shakes his head. He's, like, he's, he's woken out of a slumber, like, <laughs> yeah, surprised, like, oh, like oh. what's going on? And then he takes off and runs off the field. It was pretty funny to see. And then when they made the, uh, the gif of it later. The gif. Gif, gif. <laughs> I like peanut butter. Jeff is peanut butter. Oh, my goodness. But it was mesmerizing. I showed you that, I think, in the elevator. I had already seen it, but okay. of course I'd already seen Sorry. it. Sorry. My anything. goodness. <laughs> um, I also had, I feel like it deserves to be its own thing. You should have knew also. After that fourth and one, I tweeted, MVP, 2017 MVP, you should have knew also. I think so. Of Ro- the team? Uh, or of the Rojo, game? Rojo, Rojo, of the team, of the season. Rojo? If he was healthy the whole season, he definitely would have been. Yeah. You know, the, I know Rojo there was a, definitely. There was a pretty good, like, five or six game span. I know. Where, where he, would he was make pretty some, quiet. He would make some pop plays, but he just he didn't, he wasn't able to explode off his legs, so he wasn't the consistent troublemaker that he has been, that he was at the very beginning of the season, yeah. and he has been here at the end of the season when he got a little bit healthier. But as far as clutchness. But the same thing, I feel bad for Deontay Burnett. I feel like he won games for USC in the very beginning, and now it's kind of like, that's what, I don't know what that's, that's supposed to portray. People t- you know, come out. It's true, but I'm just for some reason wanted to give Deontay Burnett props right now. Continue. What else do you got for Stocko? I got the coaching staff getting their due. I, we, we talked about it last week. Uh, you know how this game could determine whether this was a good season or a bad season. I think you have to give that coaching staff credit for what they've done. KU with that defensive line. I think KU. It needs way more credit than he is getting. He has done such a great job. I've said it all season. I think he's a star in the making, and and he might be a star already right now. And Dylan McCullough working with those guys has been great. Uh, The coaching staff just, you know, they should get credit for being Pac-12 champions. You know, the expectation coming in when you're number four preseason is that you should be in the playoff. That didn't happen. But I think, you know, to get the first uh, conference championship since 2008 is a big step for USC and a big kind of milestone for this coaching staff as a group. I agree. And I feel like there were multiple points in the season where it could have gone off the rails. If players weren't bu- buying into their system, if, if whatever the case, there was definitely multiple uh, points in the season that could have been the breaking point. That could have been like, ah, let's pack it in. Wasn't the season we thought. And even in games itself, they didn't players didn't pack it in. You know, there, there was character in the fourth quarter. And that... How, you have to give credit to the coaching staff for that. And we said a couple times at the beginning of the season, like, hey, USC might not have won this game if it, if it was a different coaching staff. Agreed, If yeah. it was one of the two previous coaches, hey, they may not stick with the run against Stanford the way they did in the first game, just kind of demoralize them in that second half. Hey, they may not have been able to come up with some big clutch plays like they did in that Texas game to be able to find a way to win that game. That's the, the, the things we were saying at the beginning of the season. And now it proved that, you know, they were able to find a way to win. It's not always the prettiest. Yeah. It's not always, you know, I know it's frustrating for USC fans seeing some of the things that happened, some of the penalties, some of the, you know, some of the mistakes that happened. But give them credit for what they were able to do, and that's win the Pac-12 championship. Yeah, and, and Helton said after the game, what we were saying on this podcast last week, 
if, he said no one's going to remember the scores about this this season or this team. They're going to remember the, that they're Pac-12 champions. And I totally, totally agree. Um, and if you're a USC fan, obviously you're mad that shoulda, coulda, woulda for the playoffs and how games went down. But you also can say that USC's Pac-12 champion, champions. And you can't say that for 11 other teams in the, in the conference. So... Do your little dance, USC fans. Last stock up I have is actually on Stanford's side. Caden Smith, their tight end, missed yeah. two terrific catches. I yeah. mean, the one getting the foot down in the back of the end zone and the other one over the top of Jenna Harris. Uh, you know, I just thought those were tremendous plays and, uh, you know, give that kid credit for making two big catches that kept his team in the game. KJ Costello as well. He made some throws that I was like, wow, hello. So who knows where he'll be. I think he, he's a guy that, that is going to uh, be solid throughout the conference in his career. He's a redshirt so- I mean, redshirt freshman. They list him as a sophomore, so uh, you know he's got a couple more years there, and he's going to be a guy that USC is going to see year in, year out. Mm-hmm. Stock down. Stock down. I got Deontay Burnett. Uh, the, yeah, one, the one I catch for nine yards, but also a season-low 34 <clears> snaps. <throat> USC went with two tight ends uh, much more frequently than they had uh, in the past, most they had had all season. So that ended up being Deontay Burnett coming out. But also, sometimes USC went with three receivers, and Stephen Mitchell and Pittman and Vaughns were the three guys, and it wasn't Deontay Burnett. So it made me kind of wonder, you know, what was kind of going on with Deontay Burnett that, you know, they weren't able to find him. And there was a couple times where he was open and Sam Darnold couldn't, you know, wasn't able to get him the ball because he's under pressure or whatever it may be. Uh, but I think he had three targets and only one catch for nine yards. So stock down for Deontay. I'd stock down for USC's special teams slash a Jane A. Harris. I feel like I, I kind of stopped ringing the bell in the last couple of uh, podcasts. I'm going <laughs> to ring the bell again. Why is a Jane A? Why is he on punt return? I just don't think he should be on on that. And and in that same vein, John Baxter stock down. Why? What are they supposed to get? Eleven guys in the field every play, or what? Because <laughs> USC once again had ten men on a PAT. Fourth time this season that special teams has had a 10-man play. Uh, three times, you know, PAT, it's, you know, your extra point defense is, is not that big of a deal because of the likelihood they're going to make that extra point uh, and the very unlikelihood, unlikeliness that they will try to fake a field goal to try to get a two-point conversion. But they also did it once when they were kicking a field goal. And it was, you know, in a, in a situation where if that field goal would have been blocked or something, you know, the USC Cal game could have been a lot different. Yeah. So this is not, it's not a big deal in the one sense, like, oh, it happened once. It's a big deal that it's been consistent. It's the fourth time this year. It happened a couple times last year, including, obviously, the, the most known one, the eight men on the field for an extra point against Stanford. Uh, so it, it's kind of uh, discouraging for, for USC fans to see, like, why can we not at least get 11 men out there? Like, we don't have to do everything right all the time, but yeah. at least keep the right nightmare guys out there. And for the amount of time... That they spin in practice, and they a lot towards special teams. Very true. And they have a, a special teams coach when a lot of programs don't. And they look like, I don't know, if you looked at USC, would you know off the bat that they have a special teams coach? No, I think they're a average special teams. I think they do some things really well. I think, you know, the big play against UCLA was huge. Uh, I think they blocked a couple kicks, but it's not like the the – Frank Beamer of Virginia Tech teams, where you just you know you're just like oh oh no my team has to kick against them, and you're just kind of scared that you have to punt or kick a field goal because they may block it. They were that good. They were so consistently good at that. USC just like yeah it's a another special teams, and then you know they have so many penalties and stuff, and there's just a lot of factors. You're like why is the special teams not performing better with how much time they actually do spend on it? Yeah, agreed. Stock down. I got Stephen Carr. Uh, you know he gets an opportunity to get more carries. 
and then he fumbles the ball. Stock neutral for Stephen no, Clark. No, no, no. Yes, way. he yes. made one guy miss. What else did he do in the game? He had a nice block on a on a Pittman run, a Pittman first down. Stock neutral. Wow, no, no. You get one. He also block? had nice runs. He had no. He had multiple. He was. He did one. He kept drives alive. One, one drive. Multiple. And then when he his best run of the night is ten yards and he drops the ball at the end. So no, it's not stock neutral. It's stock down. You hold on the ball as a running back. How many times did Ronald Jones fumble this year? Okay, what's how many the, times did Ronald Jones fumble this year? How Answer many, my question. How many refs? Answer ha, my question. How many refs has Ronald Jones? Answer my question. Zero. How many refs has Ronald Jones had compared to? A ton, which means he should have fumbled Carr. more. No, what I'm saying is Stephen Carr's a freshman, and you're you're asking him to be like Rojo, who's a veteran. It doesn't matter. I'm just saying. How many times Ronald I'm Jones? I'm just fumbled? saying this is a freshman who hasn't even played the full season. Ronald Jones he has, he has played won. 540 snaps this year. How many how many fumbles do you have? You still haven't answered my question. I said zero, and I said it earlier. Zero. And St- Stephen Carr has had 163. He's had a couple fumbles. He had we he think- had two. He had one in week four, and then he had one coming back. Spider Man said, "With great power comes great responsibility." Oh my goodness! I'm not. I've already touted the- him as a Heisman candidate, as a junior, as a potential Heisman winner, which oh. means you got to step up to the expectations. I mean, he. he yeah. I'm he just had- saying he's a freshman. I'll, I'll my, it's just a reminder he's a freshman. I know he's a freshman, but he was getting he was going to get more opportunities this game. He's only had Here's a couple. Question, he's only whole- had a couple of snaps leading in to, since returning from the injury. This is the game where he looked like he was, you know, back to you know what he was before the injury. He made some nice moves on the the one catch, third and three, really nice moves on that that play. That's that's one of the the best eight yard pickups you'll see all season. Um, but going into the fourth quarter, they had a, they benched him basically, and you know Ronald Jones played almost every snap in the fourth quarter. But when he wasn't in there, it was Vi that came in and played a couple snaps instead of him. So. You, when you get demoted, you're going to be on stock down. You don't get stock neutral for getting demoted. I guess so. I guess so. I'm. You could just say, I'm. I have. I don't know. I was going to make some car fun, but I couldn't be witty enough. <laughs> but I'm just saying, he's a freshman. He hasn't had a lot of had a lot of experience. Stock down for Pac-12 refs. They were just on both sides. Just. I mean, the two drives back to back, where it just seems like. Every other play was a penalty. Like every pass thrown, someone was getting flagged for something. Like sometimes you gotta let them play, and then you know there are a lot of grabs and holds and stuff that that go uncalled. And, you know, and they called some of those. But then, like the Jack Jones, like Jack Jones got mugged, and then he gets thrown out of the way. And when he gets thrown out of the way, he kind of grabs the guy as he's falling down, basically. And they call a flag on him. Like that one was crazy to me. Uh, you know, there I I. Tweeted out a couple pictures that you know maybe those should have been holdings as well on Bryce Love's long run. Uh, John Houston got got grabbed pretty good and then pulled to the ground. I didn't take a picture of that, but he also got pulled to the ground. Looked like on the replay. So yeah, I completely agree with that. I have this point about how Larry Scott doesn't really market the Pac-12 well. If you ask someone outside of the Pac-12, what are what, what do you think of when you think of Pac-12? You think of the refs. You think of Pac-12 after dark, which is not necessarily That's a good true. thing. And you think of how bad the refs are, which contributes to Pac-12 after dark. You may also, if you have paid any attention to the Pac-12, you think about how bad their commissioner is because of how all these mistakes have happened, how there's no Pac-12 network deal with DirecTV, how you're marketing to Australia and stuff, but you're not helping your teams get into the college football playoff. A lot of stuff is not going right in the Pac-12. So stock down for Pac-12 in general and Larry Scott. Yeah. I also stock down for college football playoff. Yep. No, USC shouldn't be in. No, they probably shouldn't. But seventh? No. Yeah. I, I think, or are they seventh or eighth? I don't. But they should not be that that low. I mean, 
there's been no uh, Power 5 champion be that low. And also, Alabama shouldn't be in. Yeah. I uh, are, Do we really want to get into this? But yes, no, I totally agree. I just don't. And that's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like part of it is it's a lot of marketing and, and doing, I mean. And Nick yeah, Saban does a tremendous job ESPN, of marketing his program. He was basically a, a co-host for the SVP show at, on Saturday after the championship because Saban was played like four times giving his stump speech about why they should be on the uh, in the playoff. Urban Meyer got his due after the game because they played on Saturday, but where was Clay Helton? Clay Helton actually did a TV spot, I think, after the announcements were made. Yeah, like, but what yeah. I'm saying is, is there needs to be better marketing where your conference helps you get into the the clout or the conversation, and it's not because it was like cannibalism this season, you know? And then SEC has this marketing, this branding of, ooh, tough conference, ooh, whatever. When you, if you actually break down who Alabama played and how they did. I mean, they beat Mississippi State, who had four losses. They beat LSU, who lost to Troy. That's your two best wins. Yeah. I I don't know. I mean, LSU lost to a, <clears throat> the Trojans, but uh, that's the Troy Trojans. And <laughs> it's not the team that, that it was loaded with Brandon Jacobs and other, other players from the aughts. Oh. Troy had some players back in the day. The aughts. Um, I also had uh, stocked down on Levi Stadium. Not really? a fan. Yeah, not a fan. Why? I just don't like it. It's out of the way. Okay. It doesn't, like, it didn't really convey, like, ooh, championship game. I I have no problem with Levi Stadium. It's okay. Really? It's not special. That's I okay. think that's what you want. You want it to be special. I want, yeah, that's it's what I want. It's stadium. You want it to be special. I and do. it's just kind of meh. Meh. Agreed. It's fine. Heard it. It, it reminds oh. me of being from Atlanta. It reminds me of Turner Field. Mm, Turner right. Field was just a solid stadium. There's nothing special about it. And now you see, after, what, 20 years, they're like, eh, let's, let's get something that is special. Yeah. I don't know. Heard it on the sidelines. Heard it on the sidelines. Um, you want to start during the game or after the game? I was going to go with Lee Dorton and Brandon Peely during the game. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Such uh, a great moment. After the game, uh, Johnny Nansen, just seeing him emotional. Uh, also, Johnny Nansen during the game, after Uchenna Nwosu, those two have a, a really tight connection uh, player coach relationship, and you know he came up and hugged Uchenna Nwosu and said some things to him after the uh, after that big play, and then after the game, you know he was kind of you, you saw him. How would you describe him? He, I have never seen him. He's pretty, he's pretty stern. Like he's not, he's pretty tough guy. I don't, I don't really see him as like, oh, who's gonna be the one who's bawling his eyes out on the sideline? It was not my vote was not for Johnny Nason. He was crying, he was crying hard, and I just felt I. This is such a. I always loved these moments because you see the vindication in people of how hard they worked and how how they feel like okay this was worth it and you could totally see that on Johnny Nansen he just looked like we did it <laughs> you know he looked just so vindicated and I talked to him after the game and he was he was terrific he, he, first off what he said to Uchina Nwosu after that play he said man I'm just so proud of you he said man you saved us he's like I'm so proud of you because he's seen the journey that Uchina Nwosu has gone through from you know having an off the field issue. At the Holiday Bowl, being sent home, that whole thing as a freshman, you know, being behind Sua Cravens, not getting any playing time. Similar situation maybe to a guy like Oluwala Butiku, a guy that could be getting some time, uh, what the potential says. The guy that had to grow into his body a little bit too and has become such a playmaker for USC and such a, you know, such a, a difference maker in becoming a captain. But then after the game, you know, he also, Johnny talked about how, you know, he's had a similar journey. Like when... 
you know, when he was at Washington, he's, he said he's been in the in the league, I think, nine or ten years. He said to finally win that championship means a lot to him in that regard, getting that first one. But when, when Sark was fired and Giant Anson uh, was one of his, his close friends on the staff, everybody's kind of like, why is Giant Anson still on the staff? Why is he the guy that they're retaining when they're letting go of Wilcox and Hayward and all yeah. these other guys? And he said, you know, he hears that. Everyone hears what, what people are saying about him. So... For him, it was even that much more special to be able to help this team and his position group in particular, being able to get that big stop. That you know, it was really touching to see how emotional he was. You know, uh, crying on the sideline after the game, but then just talking to him and, and how much it actually meant to him. It was really kind of cool. Yeah, and and I think it's interesting seeing that window into Johnny Nansen because you don't really know that much about him. You know, you don't really know that 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 emotional side or that personal side to him. So it was interesting to see that. Um, also seeing T. Martin and Sam Darnold hug on the side on once they because T. Martin came down from the mm-hmm. box and they were just so excited. T. Martin was all smiles and it was cool to see them kind of feel vindicated too. You know, just so excited. Um, <laughs> and then also. Uh, I don't know, several players started shouting about the 9-0. They were like, no, 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 no. So that was pretty funny. Just the, the way people celebrate is pretty funny. I made my first appearance at the 9-0 in probably, I don't know, four or five years last week. I've never been to the 9-0. I'm a horrible, wow. I'm a hor- horrible Trojan Wait, alum. you went to USC? I what? did. And I Nobody never... believes that. Now everybody really believes you're a UCLA fan. <laughs> oh, no. Just because you grew up that way. No, you didn't I just have no 9-0. life. And I, had an in- I worked for this company called USCfootball.com. I don't know if you've heard of it. It, and it kind of took up my life. Also, school and being an executive producer of the show. Hello. Um, I still was able to make it last week because me and Joey Kaufman had to take Zach Helfan because know, he was leaving Zach. the beat. So we had to take him to the 901. Yeah. Take, take me to the 901. Give me the experience. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> if only we can get you off the beat. Oh, um, snap. Oh, that was insulting. Um, also, side note. I still like you. Sometimes. Oh, sort of. Uh, clutch performance uh, by me. I was running towards the celebration and my shoe was untied. And I was like, I have, I was, I was streaming the whole, I wasn't streaming, I was filming the whole thing. And you can't just like stop the celebration to tie your <laughs> shoe. So I was like, I'm going. So my shoe is like falling off and I'm taking like, you know, when you like try to like scoop your shoe up while oh, you yeah. step, I was doing that for like 20 minutes and I was just like, this is horrible. And then I accidentally got like, I was following the team towards the stage to where they do this, their little like trophy presentation. I didn't know that they were roping it off for media and oh, players. Yeah. So then I got caught in this, like, no man's land of, like, I'm not on the stage, but they're not letting me back in with the media, so I kind of, like, hid behind a poster. You got herded into the, the player celebration <laughs> and did. didn't take advantage of it, though. You I got, totally like, behind-the-scenes access. I did. You're hiding behind the poster. Uh, yeah, I got a video of uh, Iman Marshall and the DBs being cheerleaders. They were like, hey, I hey. I was going, like, <laughs> on my herd on the sidelines, Iman Marshall was so excited they uh, were like they they called to the the cheerleaders like give us your pom poms give us your pom poms. Girls are not cheerleaders. My bad, my Jeez. bad. Did I even go to the school? I don't know. Nobody knows. <laughs> yeah, no, that was hilarious. But Check they out were my so video. excited, and you know they were you know celebrating with those, and they didn't want the they didn't want the hang out with the che- the cheerleaders. You know the quote unquote quintessential thing as a football player. You know the uh, stereotype. They're like no, we want the pom poms <laughs> to celebrate on the stage, and they, it was great because then the confetti cannons go off, so you have all the the yellow and uh, the cardinal and gold confetti yes, coming come down. On. It was it was more yellow and red paper. It was. Confetti's celebrations are great. I feel like that's the best part. They make of good, good good uh, photos. good photos. Great photos. Um, I would say fireworks celebrations are great. And yeah. baseball occasionally you'll get you know the West Coast Conference when they do their tournament championship. 
uh, or the tournament, the the championship game, they set off fireworks behind it, so it makes for cool po photos as well. Yeah. Just throwing it out there. There so we were can do fireworks. Confetti in the and fireworks. I'm all for it. Whatever event that will be, I will go to. Um, <laughs> also, you and I, this is our flu game. I, I woke up so sick. I, I've never traveled day of to a game before, and of course, that's the game that I wake up super sick. I woke up and just groaned. I was like, no, why? <laughs> it was horrible. And then just getting there, it was a whole mess. It was just ridiculous. And so the fourth quarter, to me, I was like, uh, I was telling Alicia, because I stood next to her on the sideline, I was like, if I could nap right now. And like everyone's screaming, and I was like, I want to curl up in a ball right now and nap. And I was like, this is awful. I want to be able to cover this and feel good. And I just felt awful. So speaking of curling up and napping, also heard it in the press box. <laughs> Kaylee just decides, like, she, all right, she's like, I'm done with instant analysis. We're all waiting to, to leave together. Uh, and she's like, I'm done with instant analysis. I think I'm just going to lie down underneath the desk and um, take a little respite. You're, you're, you're forgetting the context. It was like 2 in the morning. It was not 2 in the it morning yet. It was like, yet. okay, okay, maybe it was like it was, 1. It wasn't even midnight. It was midnight. No, it, it was, was not. So, it felt like it then. I don't know. I swear. I'm not sure. We left the stadium a little bit after midnight. So it wasn't so even it was midnight. midnight. It was midnight. It was midnight. But... Okay, but I was no. Like, I did tell you. I was like, just go, just I go. Was, I was go dying. I could, I could have fallen asleep right there. And I don't fall asleep in public. And I was dying. I was like, roll me to the Uber. <laughs> I'm, I'm done. <laughs> it was bad. Anything else for her on the sideline? Um, I completely forgot about having an open locker room. I always forget every time because USC makes it so you just you stand outside the locker room and then you talk to guys. Normally at the Coliseum. Yeah. Um, and I completely forgot since we're at a different stadium. And then I went to the presser and came in, and when I came into the locker room, no one was in there. So here's me, 22-year-old girl, walking in while all these guys my age are changing, and they looked at me like, why are you here? <laughs> it was kind of like, oh, let me step back. Well, they also were, you know, used They're not used to it either. Yeah, That's the thing. Previously, they were used to it, and I think it's great for them to be used to it because you're going to go to the NFL, you're going to get that. It's just another step in the training of, you know, a football player for their potential profession whereas they do not get that anymore because of the sanctions, because the USC compliance department is way overboard <clears throat> with everything they do. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think they should, should try to open that back up um, because I think it's good experience for the players and for the media that, that work with them as well. Yeah, because I'm used to it by now. I mean, the Rose Bowl was like that, AT&T was like that, all that. But I don't feel like they're fully aware of it. So then I feel like I'm doing something wrong because they're looking at me like, why are you here? And then it's just like, mm. it's one of those things that I, it's interesting to handle as a female in this business. But I generally just see you and wonder, why are you here? Yeah, I know. When I have to hang out with you. Oh. Away from the field. We oh, never, we so never hang out. So, oh, okay. And that's exactly why. Keep it changing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, last one I heard on the side. Oh. The senior class leaving a legacy. I asked a couple of the guys. Yeah. You know, what does it mean to, you know, to finally get this championship? Is that they feel like everything they've gone through, you know, especially the fifth-year guys like yeah. Stephen Mitchell and Chris Hawkins, is to now to be able to, to earn that conference championship when it had been so long for the conference. They just thought it was uh, really great that they're hopefully leaving a legacy for those younger guys and that people would remember them as a group that went through so much was able to have success at the end. Yeah, totally. And also, side note, the Chris Hawkins – he, it wasn't like he was like, hey, let me tell you about this hardship I went through. Someone had to ask him about it, and then he started get tearing and, and told us about his grandma. And it was just, it was such a moment of, like, Chris Hawkins has definitely put in his due as a Trojan, and, like, he should definitely be remembered for what he's done. So. I agree. Keep it changing. You want to run through it pretty quick here? Sure. I keep it, I mean, because we're going to, this is going to be a couple weeks before they actually start keeping or changing these things. Uh, I said my three things were, 
championships. <laughs> you know, winning championships is great, and you know USC's tradition. It it would be fun for them to get back to that similar tradition, of competing for national championships every year, which starts with winning the Pac-12 the Pac championship. Unless you're in the SEC, and then you can get in without having the championship. Apparently, shade. Um, I also said going the distance on 90 plus yard drives. I looked up the stats. USC has now had 50 drives inside the 20, 15 touchdowns. Not a bad figure, whatever. 18 drives where they started at the 10-yard line or farther back and eight touchdowns out of it. Wow. That is an impressive statistic right there. Uh, you know, they, they went 99 yards in this game. They also went 97 yards, and people don't even remember that they went 97 yards in the game. So they have eight touchdowns of at least 80 yards this season. Uh, very impressive uh, in that regard. So what do you got for keep it? I had playing with intensity. I felt like, I know it wasn't the bye week, but I, they looked really fresh. And I, they had a fire, which we hadn't seen from maybe the beginning of the season. You know, sometimes in having no bye week and, and being in football for so long, you kind of just go through the motions. I felt like they did that at the Colorado game. But this game, and of course it's the championship game, but they came out fired up. Um, you could tell guys were on offense going for extra yards, um, really trying their best, and, and it, it showed. A little bit of freshness? Freshness. Anything else for keep it? I said the Darnold magic. Ooh. Yeah. The fourth and sixth um, in the first quarter. Um, Almost falls down. Yeah. <laughs> stumbles forward, makes a guy miss, mm-hmm. dives over for it. Um, and I was starting to wonder if like they were just going to be cursed from the 30 to the 39 because that was the same thing that had been such an issue against UCLA when they gained 2.2 yards in between the 30 and 39. They were there stuck again. They were like at the 32, I think. You're like, oh, you only need a couple yards to get out. And like they just the drive just kind of stalled. And then Darnold makes a play. The the starting at the, your own one yard line uh, after the new Osu stop, the throw to Michael Pittman that was just unbelievable. Stepping up, getting drilled that's a that's a pro throw right there. Yeah, that and and that changes the course of the game. There's so many moments that that change the course of the game, but that one was definitely one that helped seal it. Um, Speaking of the new Osu one, I had one more that I oh. forgot. Uh, the defensive front's ability to adapt. I think I thought you know with the way they moved Malik Dorton around and used him in a different way. Uh, they, use, they, came, they bring uh, Jordan Iacefa in for base. They use Christian Rector for pass rush situations. And then the adapt, ability to adapt to make a goal line stand because Stanford basically run right through them the last time they had been on the goal line. Yeah. And then to go six times inside the 10 and they don't score, that's, that was quite impressive. Uh, I was really surprised that they – and Josh Fatu even told me, he's like, yeah, I was surprised we stopped him. <laughs> it's like when they get – when Stanford, that's what Stanford does. They get down, you know, they, they bring in their the big bullies. Uh, you know, they got 17 guys that are over 300 pounds on the field when you're only allowed to have 11 players. It, you know, it, it makes it difficult to stop. Uh, but USC found a way. Mm-hmm. Got anything else? That's it. Change it. Change it. Jump on the football. Oh my goodness! You have four four potential fumbles they couldn't recover. The one that goes through Nwosu's hands, uh, I'm sure Uchenna was was kicking himself after the game for that one. Uh, there was also one that was right beside Josh Fatu's foot, and I guess he just never saw it. And his uh, the guy who was blocking him actually falls on the ball. Uh, so uh, you know those could have changed the game so drastically just because if USC could stop you know one of those drives inside the 10 yard line because uh, a couple of fumbles were there. Or if they get a fumble in plus territory, you know they could have taken a, a bigger advantage. There were a lot of things went Stanford's way, but USC made the plays and make it happen. Yeah, I had miscommunications and being undisciplined. Um, the Donald and Rojo third and uh, six where they turned the wrong way. Um, I didn't feel like the receivers and Donald were necessarily on the same page in the first two drives. There was a little off on that. Um, and then the legal formation penalties, um, those were a little wonky. And then 
um, just celebrating too early. I mean, if, if a JNA has the, the, I know that that didn't, I know, I know, but I'm just saying, I think. I think the receiver still was going to get the ball before he was anyway, so I don't, I don't think know. it was that big of a deal. I don't know. I'm just saying. I think the DBs celebrate a little too much. I think they should look at the, the D linemen. They get, their, they get their excitement, but not too much. You know, we're, we're maybe, I feel like sometimes the JNA or Jack Jones, they celebrate for something that's necessarily not something you celebrate for. I don't know. I'm just saying. It doesn't look the greatest the at times. could have celebrated a pick six, tough catch, but. He makes that catch. That's a complete game changer there. Yeah. And also the penalties. Just penalties that were shooting yourself in the foot. you got to clean 12. that up. Pack 12. Good I said close out the halves better. Uh, you know, not letting Stanford score right before the half was terrible. And then also the drive and, what, the last five minutes of the game. If you close out that better, either one of those drives. And the, the one the the one where Caden Smith had his second touchdown catch and uh, our Sega White, uh, Whiteside had um, the catch over – Isaiah Langley as well. Those both, if you make a, a stop here or there in those drives, it changes the complexion of the game again. But those were also just plays that you had to tip your hat to. Yeah, they made good plays, but I'm just saying USC needs to close out the half better as a defense. Yeah, yeah. No, I thought that, I mean, last week we talked about the, the third quarter that USC has where it's just kind of like you, ooh. And I feel like that started at the end of the half of, of the second quarter. Wait, that doesn't make sense. The, the end of the second quarter. It started. It had a real USC third quarter vibe to it. the The offense didn't really work. The defense kind of let up. Um, so it was interesting and that suddenly Stanford was back in the game. Yeah, exactly. And it started in the second quarter. So I agree with your point. Anything else you got for change it? Nope. The answer is get the Anthony Melton back on the court. <laughs> I know we're just skipping over to basketball for just a second, oh but there's goodness. no reason why this kid should not be on the court. He's already been interviewed. Multiple times by the FBI, multiple times by USC. Let the kid play. This is baloney. Baloney. Is that your change it? Yeah, change it. Get that man on the court. I didn't know what the you said the answer was, so I didn't know what the The question was. The answer to the last change it is Mm. get the Anthony Mountain back on the court. I see, yeah. uh, USC USC basketball was on my stock down, but I didn't want to get you on that train. (laughs) Free D-man. Stock down. Uh, Questions. We have questions from people. Shall we get to it? Sure. Um, let's see. We'll try to answer some of these quickly. I'll try. Oh, well, during our Facebook Live, the news broke about Tyson Helton. What? Going to Tennessee. What does this mean for USC shotgun Spratling? I think it's actually a positive for USC, especially if they can retain T. Martin, uh, because one of the issues somewhere in that offensive play calling was the, the two many cooks in the kitchen and how many plays Tyson was calling or T., I think now if, if if T does stay, it puts the impetus that, hey, this is yours. You have to – you run it. Let's go with that. And uh, I think it will be better in that regard for USC. I think this also sets up if T. Martin stays again, um, if he has a very good year next year, the USC offense does well, I think he can possibly have a better shot at jumping to a Power 5 job from there. And if that happens, I think you could then bring back Tyson Helton uh, assuming he doesn't do terrible at Tennessee this year. Rather than if T were to leave now, uh, if T were to left for the U- uh, position at UT, and then uh, Clay Helton just promotes his brother, then people would be like, why are you just promoting your brother? What has yeah. he done? Yeah. Whereas now he can go and potentially show that, hey, he can be an offense coordinator, and they're basically betting on himself there that, that he could have that. And if he does well, you could bring him back. I think that was maybe the dream scenario for Clay Helton is like, I get one more year out of T. Helton, and I can bring my brother back, and nobody complains. 
T. Elton is he part of the family now? Yeah, we brought him in. <laughs> T. Tyson, Ty. T. All, all of the T's. Um, T. Martin to T. Helton. Yeah, no, I think it's the best case scenario because I don't think I Helton won't make that tough decision to be like, you know what? No, don't be the offensive coordinator to, if T. leaves to Tyson. Um, he'd be he'd be in a tough position. Yeah, because it would, obviously yeah. Tyson wants to be an offensive coordinator. Uh, that's the next step in his career. Yeah, and it'd be hard to be like, sorry, bro, not right now. Literally, bro. Do you think that Rojo should have gotten Heisman hype? Yeah. I'm reading questions off of the Facebook Live. Gotcha. So. Uh, I don't think so. I, I think that you know he's where he should be. If USC wins another game or two, then yes. It's as much a team award as it is an individual award. It goes to the one of the, the best player, basically, with the best stats on one of the top five teams. That's basically what the award has become the last 15 years. I know Helton said we should expect... Probably, maybe, Port Augustine for the bowl game. Do you actually think that is accurate? Can you make a guess without seeing any practices? No, the ghost of Port Augustine, until I see it in person, I do not believe it to be true. Um, Where do you think Jamel Cook will be next season? You know, hopefully he's at USC and they give him a chance. I mean, I'd never like to see guys transfer and have to, you know, go to a new situation. If he does, then I hope he finds somewhere where, you know, that is fitting for him and they give him an opportunity to get on the field. Because, like I said, I've said it previously, the kid needs to at least be on special teams. There's no reason why he, a kid as athletic and athletically talented as he is shouldn't at least get an opportunity on special teams. Mm-hmm. Anything else you would like to add on this podcast? <laughs> he shrugged. I mean, we, we have a lot to cover in the coming weeks. This is just a little appetizer. Yeah, we're going to get into Ohio State and kind of the matchups there eventually. Yeah. So, And we'll have practice to cover. As far as the practice schedule, they have not released it. Um, we do know that USC leaves before Christmas for Texas, um, but we don't know the specific USC schedule. So we'll keep you guys updated on that and as far as Make practices. Sure check in the prayer style. The prayer style? The prayer style. Um, sorry, that was not... I wasn't making fun of your accent. He's about to smack mm-hmm. me upside the head. Mm-hmm. Um, follow Shotgun Spratling at Shotgun Sprat. Nope. Uh, oh, I don't always think that. SPR. SPR. I knew that. And we'll be back next week with the live show. Um, USC's in finals right now, so that's partially why I believe the practice schedule is a little wonky. But we will let you know as soon as we know. Correct? Correct. Sure. Anything else you'd like to add, Shotgun? You've already asked me this once, and I didn't answer the first time. Well, I, I suddenly have Closing statements. Closing... closing statements? I'm awesome. Thanks. I appreciate it. <laughs> well, I'm glad I could carry the show so well. Thanks for listening. <laughs> we'll see you next week.